Hi folks and welcome to the Meaningful Money Podcast. This is session number 370. This is the podcast dedicated to helping you put your finances in order. My name is Pete Matthew and I'm going to share with you everything you need to know and everything you need to do to secure your financial future. I'm here to help you make sense of money. Okay, here we are. Great to have you with me once again. And as many of you know, particularly if you're on the mailing list, you're on the mailing list, right? Well, if you are, then you'll know that Meaningful Money is 10 years old this month. And the podcast is just over seven years old. If you're wondering why I haven't made too much of a big deal about that, it's been somewhat overtaken by the coronavirus. But you know what? That's fine. I'm not bitter. Now, when I started Meaningful Money, I was one of very few voices in the UK putting out decent, regular financial content. Now, thank goodness, there are more options than ever. And today, I just want to introduce you to the newest personal finance podcast in the space. After the main body of the show, as usual, I'll look at a review that's been left, announce what we're going to be talking about next week. But before all that, remember, as ever, this podcast continues to be brought to you with the help of my friends at Seven Investment Management. They've been helping me out on here for ages, and I just, I'm just i so grateful to them for doing that. So please do check out what they're up to. They're at 7im.co.uk. That's the number 7im.co.uk. I've known Kathy Harrison for ages now. She's a leading light in the world of power planning, and she's a bit of a force of nature. Several successful business under her control, as well as being a mum. Kathy reached out to me to get my input on the pilot of a new podcast that she and her long-term friend and colleague, Joe Campbell, were going to be putting out. So I listened and I laughed. And so I thought I'd get them on to explain what they're up to. Now, fair warning, there's not a whole load of actionable financial information today, but we all need a bit of light relief. So let's dive into the interview, but do stay tuned because afterwards I want to ask you a favor to help me mark the 10th anniversary of Meaningful Money. Remember, notes and links from today's show, they're at the show notes. It's the only link you need to remember. Meaningfulmoney.tv slash session 370. That's meaningfulmoney.tv slash session 370. Here's my conversation with Kathy and Joe. Well, it's great to welcome uh, Kathy Harrison and Joe Campbell to the Meaningful Money podcast. Ladies, how are you doing? Are you coping with isolation? Yeah, I'm coping well. I'm, you know... Um, I think Kathy would probably agree that it's always good to keep me out of the room for a while and on my own and <laughs> quiet. Um, production's actually gone up, I think, in parasols. So I'm actually coping all right, though. I'm, I fancy a pint now, Lord, do you? Oh, totally. <laughs> I'm getting to that point now. I can cope with all the illness and the death, but I, I really fancy a pint now. Yeah, I do find that wine o'clock just gets earlier and earlier as um, sure the longer does. isolation goes on for. For sure, yeah. I was um, I was on a virtual Slimming World meeting on the weekend, and I realised halfway through the Zoom call that I'd left about an inch of red wine, like off camera to my left. And this was <laughs> nine o'clock on Saturday morning, and I was, it was all I could do throughout the whole thing not to just reach and finish it off. I thought that wouldn't have looked good. Nine o'clock on a Saturday morning, reaching for the uh, on for the Slimming camp World call as well. <laughs> I know. Well, really not exactly for you. <laughs> if, yeah, you, if you're trying to tell us something Pete if you've got something off camera that you need to get rid of right now you can do it this is a safe space okay. group therapy <laughs> Look, why don't we start by talking about who guy, who you guys are and what it is that you do and what got you to this point Kathy, do you want to go first? yeah sure so um, I'm Kathy Harrison I, um, um, I've always worked in finance since I left uni 
I started Parasols, which is a power planning company, an outsourced power planning company, um, nearly 11 years ago now, 11 years in May, uh, in June, which is crazy. Um, and over that, that 11 years, we've, it's what? It is crazy. 11 years, I, I know, it. I know, it, it's the blink of an eye, isn't it? Um, although we really enjoyed the 10-year celebrations last year, didn't we? We had a big <laughs> party for it. Um, and then, yeah, I guess over that, those 11 years, I've just got involved in different parts of finance. I launched a compliance company three years ago, um, and then a, a training academy um, last year. So kind of all within financial services, but different elements of it. Um, but actually, something Joe and I talked about years and years and years ago was um, getting finance more outside of financial services, so getting it more into the public domain and people being a bit aware of it and understanding A, that they need financial advice and B, that actually it's quite an exciting place to work and it's a really fascinating career. Um, so that kind of sat there as an unscratched itch for quite a few years until we, um, we actually did a webinar together last year and I just really enjoyed doing a webinar and being able to kind of bounce off Joe instead of it just being me presenting mm. um, and that went down really well. So off the back of that, we came up with the idea of the podcast. Cool. Joe, what's your history? Um, same. <laughs> um, very similar. So Cathy and I met when we worked at a previous financial advisors. Um, she left and sort of parasols. I stayed on for a couple of years and then joined her a couple of years after. Okay. So we've just been a really good team since. And exactly that, just kind of crusaders in the world of finance, kind of um, selling the virtues of finance and why it can be good and why it's a good career and it isn't maybe what you think it might be um, trying to just kind of break that mold when we first started I think we became such good friends and such good colleagues because we had an, um, a kind of a joint mission if you like against um, all of the stuffy old people that worked in finance and it was just kind of Kathy and I um, trying to break that mold and change that vision and um, you know, back in the day when I used to be young, <laughs> that was a thing. <laughs> now I am the stuffy old finance. <laughs> so there's that, but um, just exactly that. And so from day one, we've always just tried to say, you know, it's maybe not what you think it is. It might not be running a grey suit. It might not be the man from the pro or, you know, somebody in the bank. It could be somebody different. And there's actually a lot to learn in finance. That makes it a really mm. good career. I thought you were going to say, you know, like a middle-aged, overweight white guys, and I was going to take massive offence, but you would have been right. <laughs> well, middle-aged, overweight white girl. <laughs> that what I was say. Oh, I. So, why a podcast? I mean, you've given just uh, a little bit about you know why you wanted to do something, but you know why a podcast specifically, and then maybe just a little bit more about what makes your new podcast, which is called That Mint Podcast. What makes that different to what else is out there? Um, do you know what, Peter? I have no idea why your podcast, because the irony is I um, don't really enjoy listening to podcasts. <laughs> I never really <laughs> listen to them. <laughs> I think um, there's something about it being a nice, accessible medium, I guess, for people. And when you're trying to do something, the difficulty with finance and the reason why we thought there was the need for this and clearly it's you know why you do what you do as well with meaningful money is that finance in itself can be a bit of a bubble and even when you want people to kind of see inside that bubble it's almost hard to get out of it yourself in the first place it's hard to make a splash that you know it's easy to to do something and everybody else who's already in financial services hears about it and they might talk about it and they might say it's a great thing but it's really hard to get through that barrier and kind of get it out into the public domain 
Um, and I think podcasts are probably one of the most accessible and the easiest ways of doing that. I think, you know, the ability of people to just stick it in and, and be able to listen to something while they're off doing something else. You know, with finance, if what we're trying to do is break down the idea of it being clumsy or difficult or hard to understand and then you prevent you present in any format that is difficult to understand it would kind of um contradict it whereas i'd like to think it's an easy thing to listen to both because um of the medium and because of our nonsense which in itself is kind of reflective of, of what we're trying to achieve yeah cool it is just one step in the process as well we do blogs and we do articles and we do presentations um we also have done a couple of videos and things like that um so it is just one step in the process, but it is a very popular medium at the moment. And, you know, face for radio. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so you're ever so glad I made you uh, sit in front of a camera for this, right? Over the So what is it then that makes the Mint, that Mint podcast different, mint. do you think? <laughs> yeah, I did say that, didn't I? Oh, mintiness. Different. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I mean, Jo. <laughs> you know, Obviously. She's different. Um, special. My mum said I was special. <laughs> <laughs> it is that. I mean, when, when we're doing the episode, so we're really lucky. We've got, um, uh, there's a, a company that helps us produce and we've got kind of no equipment or skills or knowledge in terms of podcast producing ourselves. We've got our experience of financial services and the fact that we both got into it from a, a young age, which means that we're, relatively young but still with a lot of experience that's kind of our thing um, but the rest of the skills around podcasting is, is come from the company that we use um, the production company who are brilliant and the thing that Mark there always says to us because he listens to it obviously from the listener's perspective and what he thinks is different and what's good about it um, and yes there's the you know we're kind of too, I keep saying relatively young because we're really not as young as we used to be. Relatively young, northern girls. In denial. <laughs> um, talking about something that is quite dry and, and making it less dry, but then also there's the fact that we can bring a lot of our personal experience to, experiences yeah. to it. So, you know, we talk about the bad mistakes we've made with mortgages or our inability to get our own wills in place or... Um, me having life assurance but actually having no idea what it is or where the documents are and I think it's that kind of relatability that yes you know we could mm. go into all the technical stuff around finance um because that's our experience and qualifications but that's not what um I think will resonate with people it is that ability to just go well you know we're, we're human too and we've kind of been there done that and he's all the ways to probably not do it <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's generally the tack we take oh this is what we did don't do that don't do that yeah don't do that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure and that will resonate. Just something around, there's not that many experienced finance um, podcasts that are aimed outside of financial services or for a younger target market. Um, a lot of the financial podcasts that I've listened to are brilliant, but they're still quite technical and they're very much designed for other people in, you know, in finance, um, which is fine for me. But, you know, I couldn't give it to my grandma to listen to um, if she wanted to understand what you know, equity release was because it would go over her head. So it's just that kind of, you know, I don't want to say, you know, just using plain English and getting rid of the jargon yeah. and explaining things in a way that, you know, it's more digestible outside of financial services. And, but yeah, you also couldn't get your grandma to listen to our podcast because you swear too much in it. And, you're and, not she's, and she's dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is a problem. Limitation to her. 
<laughs> that's why I was listening to him as a solo. <laughs> I'm writing that one down because um, Nat is going to love that one. <laughs> so other than, you know, navigating the afterlife, what are the sort of challenges that your listeners are sort of facing and that you want to address? Which it's interesting actually because Matt, we did a, some um, market research beforehand. But Mark, our producer from Second Draft, he often comes and says, "Well, what about this scenario?" Because exactly that, he knows nothing of finance. And every single time we do any recording, he learns something new, despite him doing loads of research beforehand. So, for example, if we're talking about mortgages, he'll go away and do a load of research and say, can you talk about this? Can you talk about that? And when we do start talking, he'll learn something new and he'll just go, oh. And then he'll stop us and go, I had no idea. Yes. You phone fell out. Um, so I think it's just that exactly that, you, you know, I forgot the question, but you learn something new <laughs> every time. Yeah, I think in terms of the challenges that they have, um, for a lot of people with financial services, you just almost don't know where to start. It just seems like such a big daunting topic. Even if you break it down and you pick one part of it, like pensions or like a mortgage, even just that in itself can seem huge. And it's almost um, easing people in, giving them some, you know, breaking down some of the jargon, talking about some stuff that they can understand and feel comfortable with. And then almost those first steps and kind of where you might begin to get into it and I'd like to think that we'll be able to build on throughout future episodes and kind of take that into um, extra levels of, of detail and you can do more on it. But it's very much at this stage just trying to make people realise that it's not, it doesn't have to be as scary as it, might, as it might seem, that you kind of, you can get to the bottom of it and you can make sense of it and kind of take control of your own finances. Most well, certainly. So they reckon most podcasts don't make it past seven episodes. So how many you want so far? Oh, really? Yeah. It's a new start. Yeah. Oh, I know. But How many have we done? Seven. <laughs> yeah. Bye. <laughs> Can we make this so, all right? Yeah. Yeah. By all means. Are you enjoying it so far? Because I, from my, I mean, I've done everything as well. So I've done, you know, lots and lots of video, fewer articles, but I still love podcasting the best. How are you finding it relative to the other stuff that you're doing? Um, I'm sorry, I'm just looking because a new episode's gone live today and I'm trying to... Yes, it is. It's episode seven just went live today, so... <laughs> well done. One more. And the nice made the elite. <laughs> we've, got, we've got a couple in the bag as well, haven't we? We've got a couple yeah. in the bag. Um, <laughs> 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 You've thrown me completely there now. Um, I really, really enjoyed the podcasting, although it is much harder than I anticipated at first. I thought... Honestly, I talk all day long. People are so sick of me. I can sit and talk about nothing for hours. Um, but actually, when you sit down in a room and you get mic'd up and they say, right, okay, talk on that, I immediately, it's so much harder. And we are so tired at the end of it, aren't we? We generally do a couple of episodes in a day and that's all we do. Um, and it's so tiring, isn't it? They are. Um, but Probably I more so for you than me. More <laughs> so for Phil Marcos to do all the editing. Um mm-hmm. I would say exactly that. I think the first few were were extra tiring because, um, you know, we did a pilot right at the beginning and that was painful, just getting used to the sound of your own voice and trying to talk and not second guess everything that you're saying. And then the first few were quite difficult because we would still just slip into financial jargon and, um, and talking at a level which assumed an underlying level of knowledge and we had to keep kind of pulling ourselves back to go, no, hang on a minute, you know, put ourselves in the shoes of the people that are going to be listening to this. Um, but then the last few have got easier because we're getting a bit more 
comfortable with it and a bit more experience with it and then they just become more and more enjoyable so yeah I'm, I'm hoping that they go far beyond um seven episodes just because um I think we're starting to get into a bit of a stride with them and kind of the, the listening numbers are going up and people are, are kind of starting to relate to it so yeah hopefully we'll be around Good. for a little bit longer Ah, oh, yeah, I'm I've no doubt at all. There's still such a relative dearth of decent personal finance podcasts in the UK that there's definitely a market. And I, you know, I say this: the the market needs different voices uh, as well. It just needs different angles and and voices and sets of experience to bring to bear on it. And I, would, you know, people have often ask me about starting a podcast, and they're always like weirdly keen not to, you know, oh, no, you know, we're not going to copy you, or we're not going to tread on your toes. And I'm like, for God's sake, you could take word for word exactly what I said in an episode, and it would come across to a completely different audience. It would appeal to different people, yeah. and would have merit in its own right. And so, you know, the more of these sort of voices, uh, the better, really, because it just adds to the sum of decent financial information uh, out there, which is really important. Okay, I've got a couple of sort of... Uh... I really enjoy these as well, you know, this kind of um, joint podcasting. Um, you did one the other day, well, before London went into crazy lockdown on that day, didn't you, Cathy? Where you went and did you do one with somebody else and that kind of thing and it is it the fine thing one of the things that people don't understand about finance is just the community is you know so it's, it's such a good community and people do help each other even when you're supposedly in competition um so i do think it's that's all got the same kind of mission and the same kind of aim well yeah getting finance out there to people so exactly as yeah. you say pete it's not um it's not one person job is it it's kind of the more everybody can kind of get involved in it and bring those different voices then the better impact hopefully we all have the more it is yeah for sure okay a couple of quick sort of fairly rapid fire sort of questions i wonder what the best personal finance book is that you've ever written uh, read written or written read oh. <laughs> <laughs> <John? laughs> right um so I'm just going to say right now that I've never read a personal finance book. And as soon as you said it, the first thing that came to mind when I, when I saw the question that you sent over was, oh, well, the last finance book I read probably was Treasure Island. And then I thought to myself, oh, well, actually, that's probably how I live my life. Just thinking, pretending to be a pirate and assuming I'll find treasure at some point. <laughs> you know, if you just go through your life, you know, being a pirate because you're ah, the whole time, then eventually the treasure will come. So to me, sure yeah, you probably right. shouldn't have asked that question, sorry. Okay, Cathy? <laughs> <laughs> Same, I don't think I've read a personal finance that book. Right? And the only one I could think of was um, J07, which was my last um, CII book. J07, <laughs> the CII yeah. exam, man alive. Yeah. That's interesting, isn't it? You know, I, you kind of assume that folks in personal finance would read personal finance books. So it actually makes perfect sense that you might not because, you know, you live and breathe it every day. So what are you going to learn? And you surely you want to consume something else. Okay. Favourite book what's of any favorite, genre Pete? then? Yes, Pete. Yes, Pete. Oh, Please my favourite book. What's your favourite personal finance? Can you recommend one? <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins. Easily the best personal finance book ever written. Barnum. Simple path to simple path. Not the path. simple path to wealth. Yeah, I interviewed him uh, back in January, and it's the most popular episode of all time. I sort of rode Ooh. the wave of his Until popularity. Now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Don't write a book. Write a book. <laughs> you haven't got Robert Louis Stevenson on your books, have you? No, I haven't. <laughs> I heard he's difficult to get on a podcast these days. Again, so dead. what about this? Is your problem? All the audience is dead. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is a problem. Okay, so rather than books, then what's the best 
or the you know the most profound lesson you've ever learned in your own financial journey <laughs> all of our lessons are poor aren't they and yeah. um, the lessons because you only ever learn from mistakes i would say mine was do not get 110 percent mortgage just before the um property crash that would be Northern my Rock. personal yes um yeah. do not get another rock mortgage at 110 percent just before the property crashes or you will still be paying for it um 15 years later Mm. And it still it still have negative equity, so there's that. <laughs> wow. That's a big lesson, painful lesson. Um, it is I, a painful lesson. I handily learned the exact same lesson as Joe, and would also recommend not 110% mortgage um, ever. Um, I think with mine, one of the things that I... I don't know how much it's linked to personal finance. Um, we were talking about this recently, I think. I can't remember if it was on a podcast episode, around um, income and salary and the point that people feel kind of happiest there's um there's like lots of surveys around when people reach a point of happiness in terms of what they earn and um, I think people assume that the higher salary the higher level of happiness and actually there's a very specific tipping point where yes. you get to a point of being able to live in relative comfort and um, but still having a need and a drive to get up and go to work because you still need to earn because you haven't just got billions sat in the bank um, and that's kind of your peak happiness and then when you go beyond that you actually you get to certain levels of earnings where you then move into uh, you know am I do I have to put my child into private care uh, private education or um, you know I'm kind of almost keeping up with the Joneses and then mm. your happiness levels actually take a bit of a dip and I think I when I was younger always growing up with no money always thought you know just need to earn as much as I can as much as I can that's the only way to be happy um, and actually, it really isn't. There, there does come a point where you just go, okay, but I feel like I can sleep at night and that's the main thing. And now what I can do because I can sleep at night because if, you know, my boiler breaks tomorrow, I can fix it. Now I can start to think about the future. And then that's where all the other stuff comes in that we talk about in the podcast around your protection and your pension and your ISIS and how to then start doing it. So I think... Um, yeah, kind of chasing it for the sake of chasing it and thinking that it'll get you, um, I don't know, the money doesn't buy happiness is a cliche, but it's a cliche for a reason. I think it really yeah, does, and kind of accepting that's quite important. So it does have anybody... a boiler. <laughs> 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 so have you got anybody in your lives that... Don't cups, do they? <laughs> no. Have you got anybody in your lives that um, has particularly influenced you, either in sort of life generally, around financing, career, or what? I think Kathy and I had a very similar upbringing, um, quite a um, hard and um, poor upbringing, which we unashamedly talk about quite often. Um, and I think our, our mothers were very, very similar in the sense that they had no money, but every single penny that they had, they gave to us or they gave away or they made sure that we had you know, everything that we could possibly need to do well in life. And I think that to me was a big lesson I learned um, and it's what I pass on to my children um, very much of it doesn't matter if I've got a penny or a pound or a million pounds you know it's everything I do is for you and for your betterment and the next generation and that kind of thing um, and it isn't about just you know giving them a million pound because I don't have a million pound you know <laughs> but it is about you know exactly what Cathy was saying before about having that comfort and knowing that actually they'll grow up with less worry about where the next meal's coming from or the next rent payment um, they won't grow up with that worry and that gives me comfort um, and so I think my mom was my mentor in that respect and I think Kathy and I share that um, that yeah. kind of that painful upbringing and it's helped to shape who we are today and the way that we think about money. Kathy you go yeah, on with definitely. that? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think um, there is that. Um, I think I, as well, am wired a bit weirdly um, in that I just can't kind of sit still, hence um, all the different businesses and then the podcast and then um, there's 18 other things in the pipeline. In fact, I even just messaged Joe yesterday and said, right, I've got this idea, I'm going to start this new company. Um, because I haven't got before bedtime and she wonders <laughs> why I don't sleep. Um, and then this morning she started talking about branding and I just thought, oh, do you know, <laughs> I'm going grey. But I, I think in terms of, I've never really had a, a particular business mentor and it's something that I read about a lot. Um, you know, whenever you get your seven tips to be a successful entrepreneur, it's always, you should definitely have a business mentor. You know, it's the main thing. And I've always felt a bit like, what, what am I missing out on? Like, why haven't I got one? Should I have one? Um, but I think it's not, it, it's not as straightforward as just kind of one person. You probably take lots of little bits from lots of little people and you kind of take what you need and what fuels you. And probably get little snippets of mentorship from different conversations and the things that kind of inspire you and and get you thinking up these new ideas and doing things so there's not kind of any one um other than as Joe said kind of that drive to um you know that was kind of instilled at, us at quite a young age I wouldn't say there was any one mentor but I've been lucky to meet lots of brilliant people who'll kind of push me on my ideas or help me come up with new ones and um it's just nice to be surrounded by people that encourage you to go at it as well like Joe is great for that instead of you know she'll will I roll at me and then lay awake all night worrying about it but she'll also say like absolutely go for it and I've got you back and you know that makes such a big difference compared to having people in your life that just say no you've got enough going on don't do any more stuff mm. <laughs> which yeah, I maybe need true. sometimes just a bit balance. you probably would but Kathy's the kind of person that if I said that anyway she would do it more <laughs> so you know it's sometimes easy to disagree but in the same way that she says that you know we are just a really good team um you know, she drives me. I see how good she's done with the business and her work ethic. You know, I learned a lot from her when we were bringing parasols from the very start. And, you know, we both did 14, 16 hour days. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, we did it with a smile at the start of the day and a smile at the end of the day. And, you know, it's not always easy to work with your friends and to work that hard, but actually still be motivated and still want to do well. And, you know, we're still friends now, 15 years later. And we didn't even have the drink problem then that we have now. I don't feel like we were even all that drunk. And that's <laughs> because we're drunk and we can't remember it. <laughs> cool. Well, look, I wish you all the very best with That Mint Podcast and everything else that you're involved with. Where can folks find out more about what you're up to? Um, you can go to the website, which is thatmintpodcast.co.uk. And um, the Twitter handle's the same. And I think there's a, an Instagram account <laughs> clearly the one who's in charge of social media <laughs> i love that you don't know <laughs> i would say go to the website and that will direct you to everything else <laughs> yeah, and cool. there are other things there's blogs on there um episodes links <laughs> things. there's actually things um, so a, a girl a lady called jane has started listening to our um episodes and she's got absolutely no finance experience whatsoever. So then she writes the blog, which is from this episode, this is what I learned. Um, and it's oh, just cool. a couple of paragraphs, but it's really interesting to read that back, to get somebody's perception of the podcast that you did. And also to go, oh my God, yeah, we did talk about that, didn't we? Jeez. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe Joe is obsessed with being a pirate. What is going on? <laughs> Generally a running theme. Well... Look, I wish you every success with it and um, look forward to uh, well, having you back on, I don't know, for your 100th episode celebration or something like that. Yeah. Oh, wow. But, um, yeah. That sounds like a <laughs> 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 Yeah, 
Thank All you. the very best. Keep going <laughs> and uh, look forward to seeing how it develops. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. They're quite mad, the pair of them, but I do wish them well with That Mint podcast. The more voices there are, the better, and I know that they'll appeal to a whole load of folks out there that certainly wouldn't listen to me. So definitely check them out, give them a subscribe, and I hope you enjoy what they're up to. Okay, here's a review from Posh Spice from the USA. Fantastic. Probably not that one. Uh, fantastic show extremely helpful is the headline brilliant podcast my favorite uk personal finance podcast he tells it like it is and hammers home the key points i've now automated savings paying myself first opened a lifetime isa and maximizing my employer pensions contributions thanks pete you're a top dog from tom Tom, I think you might be using a VPN to say that you're from the US. (laughs) If you're opening a lifetime ISA, you must be resident. But, you know. Anyway, thank you for the review. That's the main thing. And folks, if you like what you're hearing, please do leave me a review wherever you're listening to me. If you can leave a review, it really helps if you do. It's meaningfulmoney.tv slash iTunes if you're an Apple person. That's what Posh Spice did. Actually, I think his was on Stitcher, not on iTunes. So wherever you can leave me a review, do so. It helps people to hear about the show. Okay, two things to announce this week. Uh, I'd like you to help me if you'd be so kind. I'd like to do a Q&A podcast just to mark 10 years of meaningful money. Pretty low key, but again, things have been overtaken somewhat by the coronavirus outbreak. But if you've got a question that you've always wanted to ask me, then now's your chance. So email me via the website, hit me up using social media, using the hashtag AskPeteM. Make sure you get that M on the end. Hashtag AskPeteM. I really don't want finance questions. I'm not going to answer them. Okay, I can answer those anytime. This is general interest stuff. So go nuts. Ask me anything. I'll answer those in the show of the 6th of May. Second thing to mention is that we are frantically working right now to get the Build Wealth phase of Meaningful Academy ready for launch on the 1st of May. Now, this is the phase that deals comprehensively with building an investment portfolio, planning which tax wrappers to use, provides access to the best financial planning tool in the world for consumers, an app called Voyant Go. And if you want to be in at the start and to get the deepest discount there's ever going to be on the completed academy, you need to be on the mailing list. So head over to meaningfulacademy.com. Click at the top, click the little yellow button to show that you're interested in the build well phase and we'll be in touch in the run-up to launch day. Exciting times, just a few more days to go. Okay, next time I'm bringing back Barney Whiter, aka The Escape Artist. This will be his third session, I think, on the Mean for Money podcast. But I'm bringing him back to get his take on this whole current situation of coronavirus from a fire point of view should be a really interesting counterpoint and compliment i think to my conversation with lars croyer last week hey folks that's it thank you so much for listening i hope that you enjoyed my conversation with kathy and joe questions and comments as ever go to the show notes meaningfulmoney.tv slash session 370 hope you enjoyed it folks thank you so much for listening appreciate your company stay safe and i'll talk to you next time